Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And welcome to another Winning Ponies. We're going to have a great evening this evening. Our first guest is going to be someone that you've seen a lot on television and in the saddle. Donna Barton Brothers will be our, our first guest. She has a new book out uh, that's going to give you some uh, inside info on getting some more of your horses to the winner's circle. And then in the uh, bottom portion of the show, when we're going to handicap everywhere from uh, Golden Gate to Gulfstream Park, uh, the very uh, popular daily racing form columnist, John McDoolan, uh, will be joining us. Well, let's start the show with a tip of the cap to trainer Todd Pletcher. He recorded his 3,000th victory at Gulfstream Park uh, with another fantastic three-year-old, uh, Spring Hill, who uh, won the, the third race at Gulfstream. Uh, there's a rumor that they're going to split the Derby this year and have one division just with Pletcher horses in it and a second division with everybody else. But it uh, looks like Pletcher's on his way to his ninth straight training title at Gulfstream. Um, he became the 26th trainer in thoroughbred history to reach 3,000 with that win. Uh, he's now been honored with five Eclipse Awards as Outstanding Trainer. He's led the nation in purses on six different occasions, including the last two years, and his winners have won over $214 million in purses. Uh, Fletcher right now, he's 44 years old. He comes from Dallas, Texas, and he's now had nine champions, Rags to Riches, Shadow, English Channel, Left Bank, Uncle Mo, Lawyer Ron, Fleet Indian, Spitestown, and Wait a While. And, of course, he had to wait a while to win his first Kentucky Derby. He did that with Super Saver. Well, uh, we're gonna, we found out where Hanson is going to uh, pop up next. It looks like he's going to rebound from his first career loss to start in the $400,000 Gotham Stakes at Aqueduct. Uh, they uh, feel that that stumble at the gate and him being rushed up uh, just kind of took the race out of him. Uh, after the Gotham, they're saying that there's a number of possible options, including the Million Dollar Resorts World New York City Casino Wood Memorial at Aqueduct. Of course, we'll see how he liked the track. And the Vining racing spiral stakes if i'm a betting man and now and again i am no matter what the outcome of the race in new york i think you're going to find hansen in the vinery special stakes he loves the poly track there 
And uh, as you recall, there was a horse by the name of Animal Kingdom who used that as his prep to the Kentucky Derby win. Well, speaking about Hanson, of course, Dr. Hanson has been in the news a lot. Uh, he is still talking about dyeing the horse's tail uh, for the Wood Memorial. I'm not sure how the rules of racing read in New York. Um, again, what uh, what he's trying to do is uh, is bring attention to the sport. The, the horse has a, has a fan club, and he just feels that something like this is going to attract uh, national exposure to the sport, get more people interested uh, in the journey to the Triple Crown, and uh, he feels that it's going to bring more attention to thoroughbred racing. Uh, he responded to Paul Moran's article uh, from ESPN.com, along with some of the other people that just don't think that this has any place in racing. And uh, according to Dr. Hansen, he says that no color should be close to Hansen's noble, regal, and intelligent face, that the, the hair on top of his head won't be colored or his bangs. But uh, he thinks that uh, he might try to dye the, uh, the mane and the tail. He says, after all, it is a parade when they go to post. And uh, speaking of the spotlight in racing, we may have more star appeal on the Derby Trail this year. At a time when uh, horse racing is struggling to stay in the spotlight, having big-name owners with star horses can be a major shot in the arm for the industry, and there may be no bigger celebrity with a passion for horses than country music superstar Toby Keith. Uh, Toby Keith is, is back again with some good horses, and uh, this time he hopes to get Reckless Jerry into the Southwest Stakes. He says he's uh, showing so much promise. That's a quarter million dollar grade three race, so he'll get graded earnings at Oaklawn Park. And uh, I, I didn't know how much that uh, Keith was really uh, was really into it. Uh, he keeps about 110 mares, and he stays very active at the sales, and he's moving quite a few of his mares uh, to Calumet Farm. Uh, he just bought a half interest in uh, uh Derby runner-up Icebox, who's going to be standing at Calumet, and uh, he hopes to breed his uh, mares to them, and he says he loves uh, getting into the whole uh, pedigree aspect of the sport, so Toby Keith uh, might be derby-bound again, uh, be good for the game. Well, what's good for the game for one place might not be for another. I was planning on going down uh, to Tampa Bay to see Animal Kingdom make his debut, but I guess the people at Gulfstream Park have just really uh, Im impressed the connection so much that Animal Kingdom, last year's Derby winner, will be launching his campaign in a mile and a 16th optional claiming event over the turf this Saturday. Uh, Graham Motion says if he does well in that race, he's going to point him, or has been pointing him, to the $10 million uh, Dubai World Cup. Uh, he originally had penciled in the Tampa Bay Stakes, uh, but he said Gulfstream management was just so anxious to have him run there. Uh, they've, they've let him have special permission to train uh, over, over the turf course, and uh, he really feels that, uh, that he, he owes it back to a Gulfstream to have the horse race there. Uh, Animal Kingdom is only going to face five rivals in, in Saturday's test. Uh, Three-year-old Philly champion Royal Delta, uh, she's only about two weeks away from her debut. Uh, it looks like she'll make her first start since winning the Breeders' Cup Ladies Classic in the grade three Sabine Stakes at Gulfstream Park. Um, of course, trained by Bill Mott. He says she's doing very well, uh, nominated to the Sabine, and another horse that's hoping to go uh, from here to Dubai. And we've got the first published work for Arve de Grace uh, when she breeds three furlongs in 37 and 4 at the fairgrounds. 
Uh, she's been stable there since January 5th. She's being pointed, uh, Irish eyes will be smiling on her because they've penciled in two races for March 17th. Um, it could be the $100,000 New Orleans Ladies Stakes at Fairgrounds or the $150,000 Azari Stakes, that's a grade three, at Oaklawn Park, according to owner Rick Porter. Uh, both are scheduled for St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, so uh, we'll see which one she goes in. Wherever she goes, she'll probably make a repeat appearance. Uh, uh, certainly the race at Oaklawn would uh, set her up for the Apple Blossom Handicap or the Oaklawn Handicap. She's not afraid against going against the boys. We do know that. Uh, time to take a quick trip across the pond. Uh, black caviar is just the, uh, the the new thing in sports. I guess it's kind of the uh, Jeremy Lin of <laughs> of horse racing. Uh, she remained undefeated by collecting her 18th victory in the Group One Sporting Bet Stakes at Caulfield uh, in Australia. It was her eighth Group One win. How good is she, and where will she? end up that is that's going to be the question of uh, a black caviar certainly uh, uh putting a, a great name on the sport internationally uh be great if we could uh, possibly get her to the breeders cup uh but uh, time will tell if if that's going to happen have uh ron nicoletti with us from Gulfstream park and we stayed there to try to try to see if we couldn't uh, nail down the the pick four and uh, let's take a look at the results uh, from our day of handicapping last week. Uh, we started out with the Hutchinson, where there was a bit, bit of a disappointment in that um, the probably favorite, ever so lucky, was scratched. Now, as you recall, Ron was saying um, that he was pretty sure that the weather was going to come up a little dicey, and, and it did. And so I believe that that's why uh, Jonathan Shepard... Uh, Decided to scratch ever so lucky. But, anyhow, Thunder Mockelson, very impressive. Went off the heaviest of favorites. This could be any kind. Very interesting. In the four races uh, that, that we did handicap, uh, every one of them had Stormcat either as a grandsire or the broodmare sire. Just goes to show how dominant that horse is. Well, again, uh, Thunder Moccasin nominated to the Triple Crown. Could be any kind. And just one in, in, in a public workout. We'll have to see where Ever So Lucky shows up because uh, he does have graded stakes money from the Kentucky Jockey Club stakes, uh, but it's, he's only got 61000 so he's going to have to find some, uh, some more uh, graded stakes money. Uh, then we went on to the ninth race, the Sewanee, the grade three, and uh, the winner in there was Snow Top Mountain. Uh, we said that this could be a horse that could benefit from the bad weather. The track was listed as good, and it came up awfully good for Snowtop Mountain. Uh, he uh, was sixth into the stretch, put in a big rally, and just got up late. Uh, hit it rich, looked like he was going to hit it rich. He was there at the wire, just got caught, had the lead at the 16th pole, and finishing in the third spot. It was number five, Gold D'Oro. Uh, from there, we went to the Don Handicap, always one of the best races of the year. And it brings out the, the older stars. And, of course, we talked on this show quite a bit about how many good older horses I think we're going to see this year. And this turned out to be one bang-up race. Getting to the finish line, after what looked like a pretty tight stretch run uh, down at the eighth pole, 
was a horse that I called the sleeper last week, and it was Hinbook. Hinbook uh, uh, with Johnny V in the saddle for Suge McGahee, uh rated very well, like I said, was, was tight into the lane and got up. This is a horse that's had uh, 100 buyers in three of its last five races. Uh, so it looks like Shug really has this nice gelding on his hands, and it, it was a great, great stretch uh, run in, in that race. Uh, another horse, just like the race before, that had the lead and came up a little bit short was Mission Impassable. Uh, he's going to be a very nice horse. He's won over a million dollars. He's five right now. I remember breaking his maiden at Keeneland. And up for the third spot, it was Edgar Prado aboard Redeemed. And then the last uh, race we looked at at Gulfstream Park was the uh, Turf Handicap. And the winner here, a horse who I just absolutely love. I've seen this horse win a couple times uh, at Keeneland. Just, he almost looks like a Clydesdale. He's so beautiful. Uh, he is, again, a grandson of Stormcat by Stormy Atlantic, six years old now. He just goes to the front and says, catch me if you can, and they could not catch him in the grade one Gulfstream Park handicap with wire to wire, a great rally by Hollinger. Uh, he was gaining on him but didn't get there late, and a fantastic ride by Ramon Dominguez to get Stormy on top as the uh, Gulfstream Park Turf Handicap concluded with Big Blue Kitten in third. Well, folks, hang on because we got Donna Barton Brothers with us later in the show. Stay tuned to Winning Ponies. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Tune in to a show about making a comeback and what really goes on behind the scenes with your favorite athletes and beyond. Listen for The Comeback Radio Show with Tony Farmer. A lot of people believe what they read on the Internet, hear and see in the media, and on the news. We're going to give our guests the chance to tell the real story without the extra hype. It's not just sports, although that will be a focal point of the program. We'll also look at the world of celebrities, music, modeling, and more. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. Listen to Sports Talk at the Positive Pub every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Gil Tyree talks to sports newsmakers, playmakers, and story breakers. You, the hardcore, interactive, and novice fan, can join the show via your phone calls and emails. Sample what's good, right, and positive about the world of sports every week. Begin your week in a positive way with Sports Talk from the Positive Pub. Be here every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. 
Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and uh, with me, I've been waiting all week for, for this interview, is Donna Barton Brothers. Uh, if you don't know that she's uh, just released a book called Inside Track, The Inside Guide to Horse Racing, and I don't know anybody else that could be such an excellent authority on it except for Donna. Uh, for those of you that uh, have tracked her career, uh, you, you, you've known her as a jockey, you've seen her as an analyst uh, on horseback or under an umbrella at Keeneland, uh, she, uh, she guts it out all the time, but she's certainly one of these people in the game of racing that was kind of uh, born born into the saddle, I, I guess uh, one could say. Uh, uh, Donna, I was a big fan of, of, of your mother, Patty Bartons. Uh, she was a real trailblazer. What was it like to have her as your mother? Well, you know, I took it for granted at the time, John. Um, looking back, I, I think it's really cool that, you know, here I was born to a woman who knew about male chauvinism and um, just just did not care, just had her own agenda, you know. Um, she just went on with whatever she decided to do, and so she raised a daughter who knew nothing about male chauvinism. In fact, when people would tell me later, you know, do you think you're not getting some opportunities because you're a girl, I would think, what are you talking about? Like, that's, like, well, that's so 1940s. <laughs> so right. I didn't realize that. You know, that maybe I had lost opportunities because of being a woman, but what I was able to focus on was how many more opportunities I got because of growing up in a racing family and because of the fact that, um, you know, mom just taught us to be, be the best at what you do, not be the best girl at what you do. And so I worked really hard to be good at what I did and um, just took that example from my mother. So, you know, growing up, as the daughter of a jockey, my life was quite normal for me, and it wasn't until later that I realized that my life was very unusual. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I, I've had uh, PJ Cooksey on the show, who I know you know, and, you know, she actually, uh-huh. the reason why she's PJ is she wanted to disguise her name. Guys guys would open up and say, oh, here's the uh, leading rider at Waterford. Yeah, put that uh, Cooksey kid up. And they'd show up in yeah. the paddock and find out it was a woman and be surprised. Mhm. Yeah, and um Patty came around after my mother, Patty, and um uh actually we go way back obviously, but um yeah, mom just didn't do that, you know. She just decided to take another approach and just be tougher than everybody. You know, the fights that she got into in the jocks room were legendary at the time. Um now it's been so long ago people don't know about her or have heard about it, but I mean she would just not take anything that appeared to be disrespect from her fellow competitors. And she would be the one to throw the first punch. She'd be waiting for them when they walked back into the jocks room and blindside them with a hit upside the head. <laughs> and so they didn't, not too many people thought of her as a girl. They thought of her as a um, another jockey. <laughs> well, uh, you know, it, it would have happened, I think, at some point in time, but... Uh, You've got to be honored knowing that that your mother really was one of the original trailblazers. Oh yeah, I mean, no question about it. I mean, I'm just. So, and the other thing I'm I'm lucky for is that I'm not a fighter. I never got into a fight the whole time I rode. Um, so really? I, no, never. And so that that just wasn't 
the way that I would have gone about it, but without somebody like her willing to do that, I never would have had the opportunities available to me. Um, I would take a different approach whenever guys would try to, you know, intimidate me by saying, you know, like, you shouldn't have done this or you shouldn't have done that. Um, I luckily knew the game well enough to be able to say, well, I really appreciate your um, advice, and would you mind coming to the films with me tomorrow? As you know, John, the apprentice riders have to watch um, films of the day's races before with the stewards in case there were any infractions or um, claim of foul or objections. And so I would just ask them to go to the stewards' um, room with me and watch the films to point out what I did wrong. And so the ones who were being genuinely trying to be helpful or honest about it were happy that I was wanting to learn, and they would be more than willing to go to the stewards with me. And the ones who were just messing with me learned that there were a few other people who were probably easier to mess with than me. I guess that wasn't going to be fun to go to the stewards and point out what I did wrong if I hadn't done anything wrong. Exactly. Well, you know, you you, you rode pretty much kind of in, in the Midwest, but mostly. I mean, I'm you know, reading everywhere from uh, Gulfstream, Remington, Arlington, Keeneland, uh, Churchill, Canterbury. Uh, but I'll tell you what, you, you rode some awful nice horses, uh, two horses that, uh, you know, I'd say three that come to the top to me are our country cat, Hennessy, and Serena's song. That had to be something to ride a horse like that. All right. Well, we're, we're jumping over some uh, some obstacles here, uh, technically, on winningponies.com, but uh, I'm sure that Matt Widener will get it all smoothed out. Uh, we're uh, talking with uh, Donna Barton Brothers, and again, we're talking about her career that really took her everywhere from uh, dueling grounds to, to Rockingham Park. And uh, she was uh, second in the Breeders' Cup uh, Juvenile with Hennessy. In, in 1995, and in that same season, Donna was the leading stakes-winning rider at Churchill Downs in the 1995 spring-summer meet. Um, I was uh, going to talk about some of the really nice horses uh, she rode, uh, Country Cat, uh, Lord Carson, Hoister Flag, Hennessy, uh, Cat Appeal, and Serena's Song. Uh, just the uh, the outstanding mare. So uh, hopefully uh, Donna can tell us uh, what it was like to be associated with some of those top-class horses. Um, hi, John. Sorry about that. One of the phones cut off. But, um, you know, it was really, that wasn't something I took for granted. Growing up as uh, the daughter of a jockey, I took for granted because it was what I knew. But I also knew, you know, it's pretty easy if you're around horses to tell the difference between really good horses, top-quality horses, and horses that are just, you know, sort of less than top quality, um, either because they don't try or they just don't have the talent. And so when you get around a horse that has the talent and the effort, boy, that's not something you take for granted. You know, it was just really nice to be able to be around um, Serena Song. She was a, a really special filly with a tremendous amount of effort. Um, Hennessy was probably my favorite just because every time I rode him, I knew that he gave me just a little bit more than he had to give. He would always dig a little deeper than you would even expect. And so it was just really nice to be around those kind of horses. Well, what's really kind of neat is you've been able to take that, that very physical experience uh, and, and that part of your life and to be able to, to transfer it after you retired in 98 um, to your sessions on, on the air. Um, you've really uh, you've done an exceptional, exceptional job. I, I know you're one of the most respected in the business. Was there a little bit of a learning curve at first, or did you jump right into the saddle? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for your compliment. That's very nice of you. Um, huge learning curve. I didn't think there would be because I had 
done a lot of interviews when I was a jockey. Um, uh, you know, it was a bit of a novelty in that you know, I was riding at some top level British tracks and there's a female doing well. And um, so it was just an easy interview when people come to the track looking for a jockey to talk to. And so, and then it helped that I got to ride a lot for Wayne Lucas and ride some good horses. So that also helped. So when I had the opportunity to to be the one asking the questions and be in front of the camera, but in a completely different um, role, I just didn't think it would be that big of a deal, but it was. It was uh, a huge learning curve for me. And um, I was surprised that the first time I did it, I was nervous. I didn't expect that. And it took me a while to get over being nervous. Um, the other thing is, John, you're a student of the game. And so I think a lot of times you end up asking questions that you already know the answer to, but you know that your listeners or your viewers are interested in the answer to the question, and they don't want to hear it from you. They want to hear it from the, the athlete or the participant. And so well, it took I, I, me a while to figure out good questions to ask and what do people want to know about. But, yeah, I would say after about 10 years, I finally got used to it, John. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, what I think well, one of your strengths was uh, early on is, you know, I'd be watching you from a simulcast uh, center or uh, River Downs, and um, the fact that we're not there... Uh, you're very good at, at eyeballing a horse and, and sizing it up and telling us whether or not uh, the horse was on his toes or maybe it was, you know, losing energy because of its uh, it, its action. I mean, that's something that you've been so lucky just to garner over the years because you, you were on those wiry horses. Uh, do you find that as one of your best strengths as a broadcaster? Yeah, and I have Mike Pataglia to thank for that because when I started doing the handicapping show at Churchill Downs, which was really my second TV gig, um, I was working with Mike Pataglia. Now, Mike Pataglia, as you know, is the best morning line odds maker in America, and so nobody's going to be able to read the racing form better than this guy. And so I had to find my edge. Like, what could I bring to it that Mike wasn't already bringing because he already he already knew everything you read from the, the past performances. And so out in the paddock, I started to notice, you know, things about horses that I did and didn't like and um, realized that those actually can factor into whether you win or lose money on the horses that you bet on. For instance, if I saw a horse that he was talking about that, you know, should have been a heavy favorite at 9 to 5, but it was 5 to 2 and he was going to bet on it, I would say, well, I don't know if it matters if it's broke out in highs. And he would be like, I think that might matter. <laughs> and so I think anybody can do that, John. I don't think you have to be a, you know, a horseman from birth like myself. Um you know, when you watch football players, basketball players on the field, you recognize the athletes from the ones who are just not as athletically gifted. And you can see who has good energy and who doesn't. And the more you practice at doing it, and I'm not saying this to you because I'm sure you can do it, but to the listeners, the more you practice at it, the easier it gets. Well, uh, you, you certainly, you know, have honed that craft very well, and it's, you, you put us all in the paddock with you, and, and sometimes it's a teaching tool. And speaking of teaching tools, let's talk a little bit about inside track, inside guide to horse racing. You, you're, you're now a, an author. Um, well, what's, what are the directions that uh, a, any of our listeners are, are, are going to see when, when, they, when they buy your book? How do you take them by the hand and, and bring them through the inside of horse racing? Well, um, I wrote the book because I realized that there wasn't just a beginner's guide to horse racing. Um, you know, there's there's manuals on, you know, you can buy a buyer's speed book and you can buy all kinds of uh, secretariat books, but there wasn't just a basic 100-page book, um, intro to horse racing, and I felt like we needed it 
for about five years or eight years before I finally said, well, nobody else is writing it, so I'll do it. Um, so I wrote the book. It, I, I think it's like maybe 15 chapters where each chapter is a standalone chapter. So, if, um, you know, the first chapter, what do you wear to the races? Second chapter, what do you take with you? Third, how do you pick your horse? Um, one of the chapters is on jockeys, one chapter on trainers. And so you don't have to read the entire book to get the gist of, okay, how do I wrap my head around this and, and feel like a bit more of an insider when I go? Um, and so I wrote the book for that reason. And so for anybody who like has gone to the races for the last 10 years, don't buy the book because you're not going to learn anything from it. But if you have people that go to the races with you and just wear you out with questions, buy the book for them before you go to the track together. I should have talked to you last week. What a great Valentine's gift it would have been. Perfect, exactly. Yeah, it's a great book to buy for people who, you know, just would kind of like to go to the track, and but they don't understand the, the, the way around the track and how to pick a horse, and, and it'll keep them from wearing it out with questions. Now, if I had a crystal ball or you had a crystal ball, where would we find Donna Barton Brothers 10 years from now? Well, hopefully I'll still be doing what I'm doing now. Um, you know, NBC has a lot more coverage this year than they um, have had. Um, right. I think I read something like maybe two years ago we had five and a half hours of television on NBC, and this year we'll have like 55 hours. Yeah, and you so, may be very busy, I hope. Yeah, and so between covering the Keeneland meet for TVG and doing the horse racing for NBC, and I also do some other equestrian events for NBC, um, that keeps me pretty busy, and uh, hopefully I'll still be do- doing that in 10 years. You know, NBC has really embraced horse racing, and I think it's been a bit of a boon to the sport, and I hope that that partnership continues with NBC and horse racing because I think it's a nice fit, and I hope I get to stay on the team because I love the people I work with, and, and obviously I love the game. And, and it, it comes across. And on that very note, since, you, since you're there and you see it and, and you see the positives uh, that, that this ultimately, I think, is going to bring to our game. What are some of the things that you think the tracks can do better to, to bring the people that are going to read your book to the track? Well, um, you know, Churchill Downs, I think, is doing a good job with having these um, Don, I mean, um, oh, Downs After Dark, these night racing events. Um, but at the end of the day, you need to have good horses, and you need to have good pots to have good horses. And so... Uh, I think Turfway Park has done a great job of also trying to bring people out to the track, you know, with bands and what have you. But the bottom line is they just haven't had the, the revenue to be able to have the purse structure to bring in the best horses. And so people don't enthusiastically embrace it. So I think, first of all, you know, we need to try to have the purse structure up. And one of the ways to do that is to quit diluting the product. You can't have a really good bottle of wine and split it up with 40 people and have it still be a good bottle of wine, you're going to have to water it down. And I think at some level we've diluted our product so much so that we've now realized where we need to stop diluting it and try to get quality back over over quantity. And so I think that's, you know, the, the main ticket is try to have good racing days and make people uh, want to come to the races. And then when they get there, they need to enjoy it. They need to be able to understand the game. There needs to be a person that, you know, around every corner that they can ask questions to. They need to have, you know, little handicapping tutorials in the program. Um, it just needs to be easier for people to understand. I, You know, I've been in the game since I was 
born, and I still don't understand European odds. So when somebody tells me a horse is 1 to 10, I don't know what that means. And so how do people who come to the track and have never been there understand what 5 to 2 means? Well, it's easy. All they have to do is buy Inside Track, Inside Guide to Horse <laughs> Racing by Donna Barton Brothers, and where do they go to get it? Good answer, John. Um, you can get it on Amazon. You can go to my website, DonnaBrothers.com. Um, my website just has a link to it that will take you to Eclipse Press, which is the blood horse division that sells it. But the advantage of going to my website at DonnaBrothers.com is that if you have any questions or suggestions for the second edition, there's a contact me link on there. And so you can um, drop me an email and let me have your thoughts on it. Well, that is great. Donna, this has been every bit as engaging as, as I thought it was would be, and I, I thank you very much for your time, and I, I wish you the best with, uh, with the Inside Track, Inside Guide to Horse Racing. John, thanks for having me on. I enjoyed talking to you, and uh, anytime. All right. Don't be afraid that you may be getting a call back from me. That was a great interview. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, right. hold on, because we've got John McDoolin on hold, and we're going to break down races from coast to coast. We're going to Golden Gate Field, Santa Anita, Laurel Park, and Gulf Street Park on winningponies.com. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Fantasy Sports is where the action really is. Over 40 million people play Fantasy Sports, but rarely do they get to quiz the experts. Fantasy Insights is the name and the game. Tune in every week as Dish Adams and his guests clue you in on the fantasy football game, what's happening on and off the field, and how it will affect your fantasy team. These experts aren't just beat writers assigned to fantasy football. They live and breathe the game. Tune in to Fantasy Insights with Dish Adams every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. And with me, uh, a handicapper that is no stronger to the audience at, at winningponies.com from the Daily Racing Forum, John McDoolin. I've always considered John one of my best friends, 
but I just found out that he's my best friend now because he bought a bar. <laughs> How you doing, John? Nothing but I'm doing great, John. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing super. Having a lot of fun doing this show. I have had some some super people on. Uh, it's just entertaining, you know. And also the other thing that that's been kind of good is that given these recent track reports, especially like towards the end of the year when a lot of our tracks are closing out, and, and a, a lot of tracks little by little are closing with up numbers at the end of the year. Uh, there seems to be a positive trend, certainly it's a huge positive trend at, at Aqueduct. Um, do you think maybe the pendulum's swinging back, uh, that the, either the recession or people are just trying to find another outlet for their gambling, that they're going back to racing? You know, I hope so. Aqueduct's probably up because that's where I bet every day. But, they, uh, you know, that's the two businesses they've always said are, are recession-proof for gambling and uh, bars. So, um, <laughs> You're but, so. you know, that's obviously not true. Um, but, yeah, I'm glad it's up. And, you know, I, I think uh, NBC now with this big contract and, uh, you know, hopefully they'll get it on television more and, and, and maybe some people will start trying to learn and, you know, we'll, we'll go from there. There's nothing that makes me happier than, you know, I, I think every person should go to the track every day like I do. It's just, that's just the way it should be. Well, too bad not everybody can get paid to do it. Now, John, we're coming up, of course, uh, this time of year, we're, we're starting to look at the, at the three-year-old races, and I'm really excited about this crop. Um, it seems like every week uh, a new star is born. Uh, you know, you, you've got, uh, you know, Alpha, and algorithms uh, that, that are just looking good, and then uh, some of these uh, these horses on the West Coast, uh, like Empire Way, uh, we, we still haven't seen gemologists. Who early on, people you know, they always, when they know you're in racing, they're like, "Who's your derby horse?" And you know, at the end of the two-year-old year, gemologist is my derby horse. I'm just I'm waiting for the horse to come back. Uh, any any of the, the horses that are uh, that have either been winning or prepping, uh, kind of draw your eye, John McDowan? You know, not yet. I, I mean, I, I you know, I I watch them all the time, and it, it kind of to me, three year olds. You know, the consistency for any of them just hasn't been there yet, and so that's what I'm kind of waiting for. Of course, algorithms. I mean, he's undefeated, but still, um, you know, we just kind of got to wait another month or six weeks maybe, and then we're getting up to the Derby, of course. But um, you know, it's just too early to tell. I think you know. Uh, I'm kind of, I'm just kind of excited because uh, there's nobody that's going to draw them. I think you're going to see some of these horses uh, taking turns beating each other. There's going to be a real fight for the graded stakes money uh, as everything uh, you know gets gets closer to Derby time. And uh, this just looks like a re- real good crop. And then on the other side of the coin, it's kind of neat that uh, a lot of the good horses from last year remained in training. You know, uh, several right. champions are, are going to be back. Uh, such as, you know, Royal Delta and Arbor Grass and Amazombie. Uh, it, it's it's kind of neat that, uh, you know, maybe we're, we're being able to make some stars again in the sport. Right. That, that's great for horse racing. I think that's, um, besides somebody asked me the other day, and I said, you know, the book for how long did, did all the uh, the shakes and, and everybody in Europe buy the best blood stock over here? And and so um, that, that would be very exciting if, if we could start, you know, Having some horses that look like uh, uh, triple crown winners, which I mean, what's it? What was it 1978? The last time that happened, so um, it'd be extremely Stopping exciting. And they're starting baby. to run some of them over here too. Um, um, a, a few of the foreigners look like they uh, they might have a shot. So 
And one of them um, is in the race we one of the races we talked about, Lucky Chappie, the the Ireland bred. Um, he hasn't won yet here in the states, but uh, you know he, he he ran fourth in the Breeders' Cup turf. But I, I think let's that go, horse let's has got go a right lot. There, John, what, what do you say we start handicapping? Uh, Golden Gate Field is going to be the eighth race, a mile and an eighth, a Grade Three. Kind of interesting that uh, two jockeys show up you don't normally see at Golden Gate. Julian Leparu may be backing up his bet on Union Rags with uh, Daddy Knows Best. And then the horse you just mentioned, uh, Peruvian Alan Garcia, could be shopping for his triple crown horse. Right. And, and you know, I, I like this horse and, and used him, in the, and I hate getting stuck on horses. But, I mean, I used him in the Breeders' Cup uh, turf. But, you know, the horse had one out uh, on the turf. He's, you know, all, three, all, all six of his lifetime starts have been on the turf. Um, and usually that, that turf form, you know, uh, the uh, Golden Gate, I think, yeah, I know, they, they have the Tapita surface, which is uh, the same thing they've got at uh, Presque Isle Downs, which is one of the tracks I write about. And, and the turf horses seem to uh, take that pretty well. Um, I, I just, I love this horse, Lucky Chappie with Alan Garcia, the six horse, seven to two on the morning line. I think it'll be less than that, but um, who do you like in there? Well, I, well, I... I like uh, I like Lucky Chappie. I I know that uh, Jerry Hollendorfer. You know he's a sharp guy, and and he knows that this oh, yeah. Russian Greek needs to get graded stakes money. And uh, the horse uh, impressively won the California Derby at a mile and the sixteenth. I think Russian Greek could be a factor. And I'm just scratching my head that Hollendorfer put this filly in there. I think it's just because she loves Golden Gate Fields. She started there four times. She had uh, three victories and a fourth, but uh, I would have to put a little more uh, uh, emphasis on Russia Greek. Yeah, and, and like you said, Lady of 50, I mean, that horse is uh, four for five lifetime. Um, never been uh, more than uh, seven to two, well, almost four to one, but yeah, she loves the track. Um, not running a graded race yet, but, you know, Five, four out of five is not, uh, not too shabby. No, no, and he, and he could be looking at the Oaks for her. But listen, while we're in California, I know I threw four races at you. Why don't we stay out there? Uh, there's kind of a, uh, a smaller field uh, that's going to go in the grade two Santa Maria. And uh, I think Ella Fitzgerald just passed away this year. And there's a horse in here called Ella Fitz. Uh, this horse absolutely loves the distance. Uh, has uh, five career lifetime wins, four of them at Today's distance, or Saturday's distance, I should say. Um, is, is she the one to beat in there, or are there some good horses to put underneath for some exotics? No, the only thing I don't like, I mean, she's only run uh, five times, you know, this year and last, which kind of kind of worries me. I really like in there uh, Vision of Gold. Um, horse last time was a beaten favorite, um, drifted out weekend, which, you know, there's a comment, and it looks to me like the horse might have got tired. The jockey stays aboard, which is a good thing. But, um, you know, this horse has won three of six at Santa Anita, lifetime buyer high of uh, 96, and that was going a mile and eighth in the Santa Margarita, which was a grade one um, in March of last year. Um, I'm thinking the works are pretty good coming up to this, and uh, I think Ron Ellis will have the works ready, and um, I'm going to go with the seven, Vision in Gold. Well, okay, that'd be a horse to put in there. I think also, you know, you can't eliminate Great Hot or, or Spirit Seeker, um, who absolutely loves Santa Anita, and uh, you got uh, Rafael Bayerano up there. Um, let's uh, let, let's move on now over to Laurel Park. I'm not sure what the weather's going to be like. Uh, this is a 
It's a distance I, I find very interesting handicap. I don't think they card this distance enough. Of course, the shape of a lot of tracks doesn't allow it. Uh, seven furlongs. It's a grade two, 200,000 up for grabs. Um, again, I'll just throw my two cents in here and then you straighten me out. But, um, it looks, I find it interesting, you, you know, Ramon Dominguez, as hot as he is right now, could go just about anywhere and ride the card. And I noticed that he'll be giving up his East Coast mounts to ride Nicole H in here. Now, that put up a big red flag for me. Yeah, I mean, the worst, uh, she's two for two this year, uh, two for three last year. But, you know, once again, she's a five-year-old and, she, you know, uh, five times this year and last just isn't... Um, yeah, I, I think she's a great sprinter. Um, I, I'm not sure about the seven furlongs. The only thing that is why I kind of shied away from her. And I kind of there's a horse in here that's six to one. CC's pal, who uh, horse, it, <coughs> excuse me, was it, ran at a mile and eighth last time. And I always like horses running. Hey, if they're going to run seven furlongs, a mile or more, the time before, even though it's been quite a while since. I mean, I, I don't think she ran till. Uh, January, she hasn't run since January 1st, but still, uh, Dutro does great. You know, he's 33% um, turning back in distance and 25%. Um, he's winning uh, 28% on the year. But the big thing here is Alvarado rides for him. And that, in the last two years, 30 starts, 47% of the time they win, which, wow, that, that's, that's a big That's pretty yeah. daggone good. <laughs> Yeah, you know, that, and so uh, and, and I, I've really got to go with her. She's pal. I mean, six to one. Or, no, she's four to one. I, I don't know what I was looking at earlier. I'm looking at some different odds, but I don't um, have any odds. Yeah, so I'm four to one in the morning line. Um, I mean, a lot of people from Cincinnati might uh, might throw this Reds round table in there. I must say, uh, she's a four year old filly. You said ten lifetime starts, eight wins, four of those at Laurel, and one for one at the distance. A uh, lot of really uh, good speed on on this filly. She she, she could end up being a part of the tribe for sure. I think so too. All right. Well, not not, not the biggest field, and boy, I, I hate to see this when the tracks are putting up graded stakes money and, and pretty good purses that uh, you know they're not uh, don't have a, you know also eligibles trying to trying to get in the field, and uh, right. we're, we're going to kind of uh, see that happen once again with the uh, Gulfstream Park Sprint Championship. It's a grade two race. It'll be the 10th race at Gulfstream Park. Uh, once again, the, the challenging uh, seven furlongs, uh, but just as I commented earlier, it's so neat to see this year older horses sticking around. Obviously, a gelding's going to, but a horse who just missed by a neck uh, in, the, uh, in the Breeders' Cup Sprint Force freeze is going to be in here. Is 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 this the guy to beat, John, or you you, you like somebody uh, else yeah. in there? I can't see how they'll possibly beat him. I'm, you know, the seven furlongs. He's never been that far. I don't think. Um, I I only have his his past performances that uh, show the six furlong um, races over in in uh, the UAE. But um, I mean, the horse he's been closing every time. His buyers are way way up there. Um, Peter Walden and uh, uh, Lopez, you know, 27% over the last couple of years. I, I really don't see how they'll beat this horse. Um, he hasn't been out since November. That's the big thing. But, I mean, those works. He's got a best of 36, a best of 29, um, uh, three of 55. I mean, he looks like he's working like a champ. He's by Forrest Camp. Those horses are always fast. 
out of an it's freezing mare. I mean, the breeding doesn't get much better than that, and I I don't see how they'll, you know, the only thing could possibly be if he gets tired the first time out off a layoff, but, you know, that doesn't usually happen for Peter Weldon. I think he's uh, 28% uh, horses on a, off a long layoff, so... Uh, I, I think if, if there's a fly in the ointment, it could be the rail horse. You know, Alan Jerkins is, is such a well-respected horseman, and Bold Warrior took a big jump up last time in, in a minor stake, but uh, put in a 102 buyer after an awkward start and only was beaten a half a length as the favorite in there. I don't know how the track's going to be playing uh, down at Gulfstream, but if it's, if it's a speed-favoring track, this bold warrior could be a little dangerous. And again, I don't know what the horse's odds are. I don't have the odds. Right. I think it was 5-1 to one on the morning line, and you're right. I mean, he, he looks tough, but, you know, a lot of these horses are coming off um, not not that huge of a layoff. He's been off since October. Um, Captain Candyman, the two-horse, has been off since uh, New Year's Eve. Um the four horses have been off since December 10th, and uh, Simba. Simba story ran recently, but you know, I, I just, I, I, I don't know how they're going to be forced freezing there. I mean, it just looks like he's got so much talent; it shouldn't be a problem. Uh, John, you were lucky enough. To, you said that you had a chance to, to look at a race that uh, that uh, I didn't have a chance to preview. Can you give us a little insight into? One of the races down at Tampa Bay Downs this week. Yeah, there's a there's a uh, the it's the Tampa Bay Sprint. Um, it's a let me look here. It's the trying to think. It's the eighth race on the card. It's five furlongs on the turf. The uh, eighth running of the turf dash seventy five thousand um, three year olds and up. And there's a horse in here that, that Private Jet. Uh, the horse is nine to or seven to two. I'm sorry, seven to two. He hasn't been out. Since, or he's he's run once. He ran on January fifteenth. Kerry McLaughlin has the horse. Um, he he won the uh, Gulfstream Park Turf Sprint at, at odds of nine to one uh, last time out. He he came from off the pace, won it by a length with a buyer of ninety six. Before that, he hadn't been out since September of uh, two thousand ten, which is you know. Pretty amazing. Uh, the South a- South African horse, and he- he's won six out of eleven lifetime. One hundred forty four thousand. Looks like uh, in 08 and 09 he did really well. They brought him back. He didn't do so well. I'm guessing he's probably got a bow of some sort. Maybe he's a seven year old gelding, um, and I-, I don't see how they'll beat the horse at seven to two. Which you know, I mean, those are those are not bad odds. Not bad. Not bad odds at all. I- I see $9 on the floor. I'm going to bend over to pick it up every time. Um, exactly. Jen, I just want to get your input. I've been you know, reading uh, some of the blogs and the things uh, on the Internet uh, about uh, the, uh, the colorful Hanson and the fact that they may uh, attempt to, I don't know if the New York Racing Association will let them, uh, actually right. color the tail and mane of the horse to try to inspire fans to, to watch racing and talk about racing. Well, what's your feedback on this? Well, I, I just, before I talked to you, I saw on Facebook that the stewards in New York said, no, you can't do that, which is exactly what uh, Chris Neiman, you know Chris, sure. um, when, when she read it on one of the blogs and they said, uh, you know, this is what we want to take a poll and see what people think about changing the colors. She said, you know, maybe they'll make an exception, but you cannot change 
you know, what a horse looks like. That's one of the basic rules of horse racing. And, and some of the things I read, you know, everybody said the same thing. It's great. It's, it's good for the fans to try to come up with something. But pretty much Paul Moran did. they come up with. <laughs> I'm sorry? Paul Moran from ESPN.com did. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he, uh, you know, pretty much was kind of disrespecting that the, the, oh, uh, I did read that. Yeah, well, you know, he, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to comment on that because you know I am about being honest, and you don't want to hear my opinion on that. But okay, um, at at this point in time, I mean, they need to do whatever they can do to get people interested in horse racing. And if I mean, it would be great if they could paint. You know, they were talking about painting his mane and and uh, tail blue and. You know, he's a white horse, he's obviously a gray, but, um, you know, if it got people interested, but it's one of the old rules in horse racing, you can't change how a horse looks, and obviously, when they brought the horse to the paddock, um, on his papers, it's not going to say blue, tail, and mane, so, um, and I guess I can see how that, you know, if somebody didn't like the four white feet on their horse and they painted them brown, then, you know, obviously, it's not the same horse, you know. Uh, that's just, it makes sense to me. Yeah, you know, and one, one other factor, I don't know if anybody's approached this or not, is that, uh, you know, like in races, how they don't let riders use white gloves because it can spook a horse, you know, up as he's riding and right. he uses gloves and he goes by it. You know, I'm just wondering if, and you know how some, some ponies, some horses won't go with certain ponies that are uh, Appaloosas. You know, you just right. wonder if it could make a horse hesitate in the running of the race coming up to a horse with a with a blue tail flapping in his eyes. You know what right. I mean? Right. I, I'm sure that, you know, that's that's not something you can train him for. It's not something that's happened to him before. And you know how horses are. I mean, that's why a good trainers are good trainers is they prepare him for everything. Well, it's, it's hard to prepare him for a, a horse with a blue mane going by him or, or, you know, coming up to him. So, I mean, I understand why they did it, but... You know, as far as the guy that, that his thing that that's a disgrace, and I mean, he he just needs to get out a little more, I think, and maybe have a beer and relax. Well, John, I, we got we got about a, another minute to, before we close out uh, winning ponies here. Uh, I know you've been uh, a student of the game since you were a wee lad. Uh, you've you've got you've got great parents that were not shy about letting you come to the races as a kid. Uh, what was the best horse race you ever saw in person? In person. Um, the last race I won, I guess, probably. That's, I mean, <laughs> at, at, <laughs> at any time you win, it's a great race. Um, you know, back in the, and I've looked up the horses, and it's pretty cool. That back, and, and I'm sure, you know, Commissioner Gabe and some of those horses that ran in the 70s, back in late 80s, or early 80s, I'm sorry, at River Downs. I mean, you know, um, and I had been over at Turfway for, uh, uh, I, I, haven't made it to a derby just because I've always been working, but, uh, you know, any, anytime you win, it's a great race. I mean, you know, and on television, um, you know, the, the, I, I still get goosebumps when I see Secretariat winning the Belmont. I mean, that was the most unbelievable performance of a horse ever. And that's pretty much what got me into it. I mean, my grandpa brought me to the track when I was four or five, but that really sealed the deal. And, I mean, I, I got goosebumps the first time I saw it, and I've seen it a hundred times, and I get goosebumps every time. So, you know, I, I, there'll, there'll never be another horse like him. Um, I, I just think from the breeding aspect of of what, you know, what has happened. But um, he, he was magnificent, John, and you know what? I'll co-sign that. There's never a time 
when I've seen that race that I haven't got goosebumps. Well, I can see that Matt Widener's uh, pointing a finger at me through the window here saying, hey, buddy, it's time to wrap. John McDoolin from the Daily Racing Forum, thanks so much for handicapping with us today, and I can't wait till our paths cross, particularly when it's at that new bar of yours. No problem. Sounds great. It's uh, McDoolin's Pub. <laughs> on you Facebook, I, I, am I allowed to throw a free uh, thing at uh, on I'm Facebook, and uh, we'll, our website up. is shortly. Okay, we'll let people Thanks, know man. that we're going to be there, and we'll, we'll cover it with horse memorabilia. Ladies and gentlemen, that's John McDoolin from the Daily Racing Forum. I want to thank uh, Donna Barton Brothers for being a guest on the show, and I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to tune in to winningponies.com. Don't forget, go up to the website and pull down the products that they offer. These guys are pulling down winners left and right every day. But most importantly, from my perspective, I'm glad that you tune in and you take the time to, to listen to some of the experts that we like to bring to you on winningponies.com. So overlooking the Ohio River, the hills of Kentucky, I'm John Engelhart. Remember, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.